Hello, and welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from, and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, there is always more to life. Well, kids K through second, y'all can go back with Miss Whitney uh, for Kids Church. One of the things that's really great about that Haiti meal packing event is that it's something you can do with your family as you saw with all the kids that were helping pack those meals. It's just a great mission opportunity to show your kids uh, to serve those that are less fortunate than us. Uh, As we begin our sermon today, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, and you have your Bibles with you and you want to open them up. Uh, Today is going to be our stewardship sermon for uh, the year, Uh, our sermon about giving to the church. It's, It's my first stewardship sermon that I've given in my two and a half years here. Uh, So I held off as long as I could, and the day is here, though. Um, And if you're like me, you're uncomfortable talking about money. Uh, I am uncomfortable talking about money, but I believe it's something that's necessary uh, to let you all know what Scripture says and also to let you know where we stand financially at the church. Um, So we're going to look first at what the Scripture teaches about giving, and then we'll look at where we are churchwide. So hear the word of the Lord from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. And then Jesus told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store all my surplus grain. And then I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But then God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you, and then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. The word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we have this uh, incident here with Jesus where a man comes up to him and he asks Jesus a question about inheritance issues, basically asking Jesus to settle a legal dispute. And in Jewish law, the, the issue of inheritance was a pretty simple one. The firstborn got double portion of the inheritance and then the rest of the kids got the rest of it. So there really isn't any issue that the guy is bringing up to Jesus. Like it's settled. What Jesus is, what the man wants Jesus to do for him is to say, most likely, hey, my brother got a double portion of me. Tell him to give me some of that. Tell him that I need more of my inheritance than what I've already gotten. And what's interesting with Jesus, like pretty much anything else in the Gospels, he, he doesn't deal exactly with the issue that's being brought before him or doesn't deal with the question that's brought before him. Jesus looks at the deeper issue going on. 
You know, as you read the Gospels and you read all these people who ask Jesus questions and then he immediately confronts them uh, with their deepest sin, man, don't ask Jesus questions because sometimes you may not like how he responds or how he answers. And I'm sure that's not, this, that's not what this man was expecting when he brings to Jesus this issue of inheritance rights. And Jesus says to this man, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. He gets right to the matter of the heart for this rich fool, as the scripture says. The root issue for Jesus here is not necessarily inheritance rights, but the issue of the heart, the greed, the desire for more and more and more. The scriptures speak a lot about money, and Jesus himself says a lot about money and our possessions. And I think the reason that he does that is because money has this way of bewitching our heart, of becoming an idol, of taking the place of God in our lives. In this parable of the rich man, he has this abundant harvest that God has richly blessed him. Uh, So if he has uh, this rich man, most likely what happens is he has a lot of land, and he's sort of like the top 1% of wealth people in this society. And so he has this abundant harvest of grain. He has this big barn that he can store all of his grain, but the Lord has been so gracious to him and has abundantly blessed him with more than his barns can store. And his first response is not, oh, this is so great. Look how I can bless other people. Look how I can bless the poor. Maybe I should give back to the Lord a portion of what he's given to me. Or in the Old Testament, they would tithe a portion of their uh, offerings to the Lord. They would tithe a portion of their fruit and harvest. He doesn't do that. He says, you know what I think I should do? Build a bigger barn. Build a bigger barn and keep it all for myself. And the great irony of the story is that he accumulates more and more and more. And then at the end of the parable, it says that his life is taken from him and who will get to enjoy the fruit of his labor. And the hard truth from Jesus here, catch the hard truth here at the end of this parable in verse 21. Jesus says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. What that doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that God's going to smite you if you don't give to the church. So hear that. That's not what that means. Uh, What this does mean, though, is what Jesus is talking about is the futileness of investing our money in earthly concerns without giving any deference towards God without giving anything back to God, without giving any recognition that this fruitful abundance that we have comes from the Lord himself. Like I said, Scripture speaks about how greed is idolatry, that when we have idols in our lives, that they have taken the place of God in our hearts, that they have become the object that we worship, the thing in which our hearts are wholeheartedly pursuing after. And if the sin that Jesus is addressing here is greed or as a form of idolatry, then the opposite of that sin, the virtue that the Lord calls us to cultivate instead is generosity. That in the place of greed to cultivate generosity. And we see that here in this parable that the rich man should have cultivated generosity. He should have given away the abundance that he has. That his barn was already full. He had all that he needed Instead, he said, I need more. 
I need more for myself. You know, about a few months ago when we talked about our Ruthless Elimination of Hurry series, I talked about generosity and how uh, our, what our attitude and heart should be towards money. And one thing I said throughout that message is the posture that the Lord wants us to take with our finances and our possessions is to not hold on to them with a closed, tight fist as if they're mine and there's nothing you can do to take them from me, but rather to have an open hand towards our finances. To say, Lord, you have blessed me. You have given all these things into my hand, and so I generously offer them back to you. To have an open-handed view, not a closed-handed view. Here's a few other scriptures that talk about uh, giving and the, what the Lord's heart is for giving. 2 Corinthians 9, 7-8 says this, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. That God loves a cheerful giver. To give unto the Lord with that open hand, not that closed hand. To not give under the sense of compulsion because we know the one who is able to give us all that we need. And that we can trust that when he asks us to give to him that he will be faithful to us. And Jesus, again, in the Gospel of Matthew, says this in Matthew 6, 19 through 20. Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but rather store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." Jesus kind of cuts to the matter, like when we talk about greed being idolatry, Jesus is saying where your heart is, where the longing and desire of your heart is, that's where your treasure is. Are you investing in the things of God with the finances that he's given you? Friends, if if you're not currently giving, I want you to just ask yourself and be honest about why that is, and then take that reason to scripture and see how that lines up. Because I believe that giving, like prayer and scripture reading, is a spiritual discipline. And just like if you're not praying, I would ask you to take your reason for not praying and take that to scripture and see what it says. Or if you're not uh, being in the word of the Lord, to take that to scripture and see what it says. Because the rich fool here had this close-handed view of his possessions that it's all mine and no one else's. And like I said, I believe that this is a spiritual discipline of giving to the Lord, of opening our hands and saying, Lord, this is yours, not mine. It's this recognition that every good gift that we have comes from above, as the scripture says, that all my monetary blessings, all my finances, that Lord, this is all yours. And that when I give to the Lord, it's an act of worship like we say, just like prayer is an act of worship. Just like reading scripture is an act of worship. It's saying, Lord, take these gifts and build your kingdom here on earth. As I was thinking about this message and thinking about what I would say today, the Lord kind of brought this to my mind as I was praying and reflecting and reading. uh, To ask ourselves this question and ask it honestly, what are we investing in? What are you investing in? Because we invest in things that matter. We invest in things that are important to us. Like growing up, 
I was in band growing up. I was one of those band geeks. Um, and my parents said, you just get one extracurricular. That's all we're going to do. And so I picked band. Um, and so what they did is they invested in me being in band. And, uh, and down in Friendswood, we had a very big band program, which meant that there was a lot of finances that went along with it. So there was some extra band fees that we had to pay on top of that. Uh, my parents paid for private lessons because they valued and invested in me learning more about music and investing in the creative side of my brain. So they paid for private lessons. They rented me an instrument to be able to play uh, in the band. They invested in a good mouthpiece for me because I, they wanted me to sound good and not sound awful. I don't know how much that helped, though. But they invested in that mouthpiece and invested in all those different accessories that went along with it because they said, this is an important thing for you and your life, and this is important for us that you do this. We invest our finances all the time in things that matter to us. Like with our kids, we, we give them braces so that way their teeth can be straight for the rest of their lives. When they're sick, we take them to the doctor and pay for medicine and pay for the doctors. We invest in the extracurricular activities that they're interested in because we believe that it will make them better adults when they grow up. In our houses, we invest in repairs that come along with our house. We invest in upgrading our house. We invest in the landscaping because where we live and dwell is important to us, and so we invest in it financially. We invest in our cars by washing it, repairing it, doing all these things to keep it going. And it's the same thing with our finances when it comes to the kingdom of God and the church that we invest in the things that are important to us. Thanks again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment, but first, we would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the work. Right, we have this phrase in our culture, put your money where your mouth is, right? It's like where a politician says, oh, I value education or I value this or that. We'll say, well, we'll put your money where your mouth is. Prove to us that you're really invested in it by putting money into it. It's this idea that when we care about something, that we invest our money in it as well. And the problem of the rich fool that we see here in the Gospel of Luke is that he's investing in the wrong things. He's pouring all of his abundance into more for himself, not more for the things of God, not more for others. And that's where the rebuke of Jesus comes from. The rebuke of Jesus doesn't come from storing what's sensible into the barn, the rebuke from Jesus comes when uh, we want to store more and more and more in our barns and we want to keep everything that's been given to us in our barns. That's why it says at the end, this is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. And it's not this idea that you can't store up things for yourselves, but there's this needs to be this deference in our heart towards God as well. And the reason I believe that I believe that this church is worth investing in, friends. I believe it's investing our prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness, and part of that is our financial gifts as well. 
I believe that the kingdom work of this church is worth investing in. I think oftentimes when we talk about money, that the enemy kind of gives this image that the church is just kind of like demanding and trying to take all the money from y'all. But I believe that uh, it's important to give because God wants us to give. And here are some of the things I think Scripture talks about of why he wants us to give. Jesus wants us to give because everything belongs to him. I think it was either Clint or Ryan said in the prayer that we are dust, that we are just clay without you, Lord. That everything belongs to him. Every single good gift, including our finances, belongs to him because he is the creator of all things. I believe God wants us to give because when we give, it blesses others. Jesus said, or the Lord said to Abraham, um, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing to the nations. That there's this idea that God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. That blessing isn't given just for ourselves, but it's meant to be a blessing for those around us as well. When we give generously, it orients our heart away from the things of the world towards the things of God. As we sang in that song, and as we look upon Jesus, the things of earth grow strangely dim. I believe giving is one of the ways that we orient our heart towards God. And then finally, a heart of generosity reflects the heart of God. That the Lord who generously pours out blessing over us, who generously pours out abundance over us, that's the heart of the Father to do in our midst. And so as we reflect that heart of generosity, we're reflecting the heart of God. Like I've said earlier, John Wesley was uh, the founder of Methodism, was the wealthiest non-inherited person in all of England in that day. And he gave away 90% of his wealth as an act of worship to the Lord. One of my favorite sermons by John Wesley is The Danger of Riches, and he talks about uh, coming into this abundance of riches. He, He says about halfway through the sermon, He says, you know, I just started writing sermons for about a penny apiece because I wanted the poor to be able to read about uh, theology and things of God, and suddenly everything I wrote became a bestseller, and I found myself having a ton of money. And he's like, so what am I going to do with all this money? He said, so I'm just going to give it away. That the Lord has blessed me with riches, and my response is to give it away. You know, as we look at giving to the church, Erica and I give to this church as well. And we give to this church for a number of reasons. We give because we believe that giving is good for our soul. That when we come up here and I say giving is an act of worship to God, I don't just say that because it's this sort of academic exercise. I believe it because I practice it. And I believe it's a way for me to open my hands and say, Lord, this is yours. It's an act of worship to the Lord. We also give to this church because we believe this community of faith, this church, this local body, y'all, are worth investing in. This is the church that welcomed us when we came out of seminary. This is where we've seen our lives be transformed. This is the place that we see lives transformed and people come to salvation. This is the community of faith that we serve alongside with to grow in discipleship and grow in service to one another. This is a community of faith that my son is going to be born in. This will be the space in which he hears songs of worship to his God. This will be the space that my son will get baptized in. You know, every time I pray for my son, I say, Lord, let his greatest blessing in his life be that he never knows a day apart from you. 
And this church will be an answer to that prayer because he'll be surrounded by people who will love him and raise him up. And I believe that's something that's worth investing in. We invest in things that matter, and this church matters to me. And I know it matters to you as well. That the mission of God in this church matters. The kingdom building that goes on in this church matters. And also, it's important for you all to know, I talked about this with clergy this past week. We want you to know that we're all in this together with you, that all of us as clergy give faithfully to the ministry here at Kingwood Methodist Church. So as we kind of transition a bit to talk about kind of the theology about why do we give, why does the Lord tell us to give, I want to talk a bit about where we are financially as a church. I always strive to be transparent with you up here, and I want to be transparent with where we are as a church financially as well. When we talk about supporting the church financially with our gifts, uh, our finance committee sets the budget for the coming year based on what we hear from y'all through these estimate of giving cards that you may have gotten in the mail. If you haven't gotten them, they're also at the exits as you leave. So based on what we hear, we uh, plan for budget for the next year. And so this past year in 2022, due to a few different reasons, due to people moving away to be closer to grandkids or just moving away in general, people passing away to go and be with the Lord, or from those who feel called to worship at another church as a result of our vote to join the Global Methodist Church. As a result of all those different decisions, we are looking at $304,940 less in giving for our 2023 budget. And I want to say a specific word about those who have uh, followed God's call to worship in another faith community as a result of our church vote, that friends, we pray God's blessing on them, and that we pray that God will use them in beautiful ways as they worship in a different faith community, that they are still our friends and our neighbors. But as we look forward to next year to our budget and as we look forward to what God is doing in our midst, uh, I want you all to know that we as a church leadership have already taken proactive steps uh, to look for savings in our budget. Uh, through staff voluntarily moving to part-time roles or replacing full-time positions with part-time ones, we are, we are starting with about $80,000 less in our staff budget. But that still leaves a gap of about $220,000. And we will continue to do our part in finding savings where we can. But friends, we also need your help to make up the difference. To prevent making cuts to ministries here at the church, we are asking for your help and to invest in what the Lord is doing here at Kingwood Methodist Church. Like I said, I truly believe that giving is a spiritual discipline. I believe that's good for your soul. And friends, if you're not giving, I would challenge you to give and to invest in this faith community just as I would challenge you to pray and read scripture if you're not doing that as well. So kind of breaking it down, what, because uh, 220,000 is a big number, uh, to break it down maybe into a bit more uh, grabbable chunks, I guess. What we need to do is we need to add uh, 200 families uh, giving $100 a month to cover this budget shortfall without making cuts. Maybe you can do half of that. Maybe the Lord has blessed you abundantly and you can do more than $100 a month. 
Maybe you're currently not giving and you could do uh, maybe two or three or more of those families. And friends, I know that there are many in here who do give faithfully to this church. And I would like to just say we are deeply grateful for your trust, for your generosity, and for the ways in which you support this church. But I would also ask if you would prayerfully consider if the Lord is asking you to maybe give to cover one of those family units. And the way that you can help us is by letting us know uh, how you're going to be giving to this church for the next year. If you could fill out one of these cards, it really helps us to look to next year so that we can be faithful stewards of what uh, y'all give to this church because we're a church that wants to live within our means. And so we'll need to make the cuts and we'll make them if necessary. And if you could just let us know where you're at, that would be very helpful to us as we plan for next year. Like I said, if you haven't gotten one of these in the mail, you can pick them up at both exits. You can either drop them in the box, mail them back to the church, or just drop them off. We'd ask that you return them by December 4th so that way our finance committee can be looking at next year's budget. I would just like to close by just asking you, I think that this church is worth investing in. I think the ministries of this church are worth investing in. You know, I could list all the ministries that we do at this church, but it wouldn't be, um, wouldn't be enough to show all the wonderful things that the Lord is doing in our midst. I believe that the kingdom work that God is doing in our midst is worth investing in. And I just want to say that I am thankful for how the Lord will provide for you, for this church, and know that our promise as church leadership is we will continue to strive to be faithful stewards to what God provides to this faith community. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. As we look at the heart of generosity that God calls us to participate in, that God calls us to mimic, we remember that The heart of generosity is the heart of God himself. We remember the generous God who was with his friends and he broke bread and he said, this is my body which I am generously giving to you. And whenever you eat this bread, do it in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave thanks to you, Father, said this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink of it, Do it in remembrance of me. So, Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ so that we can be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by your blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until we feast in your heavenly banquet. Father Almighty, as we say the prayer that your Son taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen.